So let me jump in. Um, I don't know where you were on September 20th, 2016. But on that date, This Is Us premiered on NBC. And people, the, the, the world lost their minds. Um, I think I read it was like 14.7 million people watched on that day, that day alone. 14.7 million people abandoned what they were doing in that moment, forgot about whatever show they usually watch on Tuesday, right? And, and welcomed the Pearson family into their house, right? Does anybody watch that show? It's about these 30-something siblings. There's Randall, he was adopted into this white family. There's Kev, and he's, you know, and Kate, and, and Jack, and, and Rebecca. I'm not going to go through all of it because we don't have time, but Google it. It is crazy. And, and it's about the drama of their life and their hopes and their struggles and their joys. It's about this family and their past the ways that they're working out their past and their, and their present and, and the ways that they are dreaming for the future. And I remembered shortly after it uh, premiered, I would go on my newsfeed and I would see people be talking about Jack. And I'm like, who is Jack? What happened? I went to, I went to my newsfeed because I'm like, did something happen? Who is Randall? Like, am I missing something? And I'm trying to figure out what was happening. Then I realized my friends online, some of y'all, and then some of the online friends, they were talking about Jack and these people like they real people, like they know them. Okay, I'm judging, you guys know this. I'm just gonna lay it out there. I was judging these people because every week I would see people start bawling. Like, I don't know how you could do the cry emojis over and over and over on Facebook, but that's all I saw. This week, oh my gosh, I can't even stand myself. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. People were losing their minds. It was an emotional turmoil each Tuesday night, and people were still processing it on Wednesday. And I, I remember thinking, why would you put yourself through all of that? Like, the world is crazy enough. Like, the news, if I just read the news, like, that's enough. Hearing real life stories from my real friends who are not online, that is enough. I, I, I was amazed. I was amazed. And, and after all of my shade and after all of my judginess, I gave in and started watching the second season. And yes, guys, believe the hype. It is as amazing as they say it is. But the reason that it's amazing, it's not because of all these people. The reason it's amazing is because it's, it's a story, it's one story's family. It's one family story. <laughs> one family story. And that's what they're doing. They're telling the story of this one family by celebrating the intertwining of all of their lives. So there's no main character. Y'all think Jack is the main character, but he ain't the main character. All of them are the main character. It's not just about Jack. It's not just about Randall. It's not just about Kate and Kevin. It's not just about Rebecca and Miguel. Come on now. It definitely ain't about Miguel. <laughs> it's about all of them. It's about all of them. It's this amazing thing. This is us reminds an individualistic world that the story of our lives is embedded in the story of others. It attempts to correct the narrative that it's all about me, or it's all about you, or it's really all about that person. Rather, this, this show 
is awakening the truth that our lives are actually and have always been about us. The story of God is about us. All of us. And and when I read this passage in Acts, and I, I think about Luke retelling Paul's journey, I can't help but hear him say, yo, this story is about us. This story is about what God was doing in Corinth and and, and all about what he was doing through us too. It's not just about Paul. It's also about Priscilla and Aquila and and it's about my new friend, Apollos. It's, It's about all of us and the work God was doing through us for the sake of the world around us. And I don't know why Luke chose to tell these stories right here. I mean, I wonder if he he realized like the readers of this letter would need to learn from more than just Paul. That he, that we, the readers, would need to learn from other leaders and friends and the other people, the hers and the hymns that are not mentioned, that are intertwined in Paul's life and Paul's journey. And so Luke decides to tell everybody's story because everybody's story matters. And we're supposed to, those stories are supposed to teach us something about God. We're supposed to hear something more about God. And I feel like I know this to be true, and I feel like I think you know that to be true. But if I'm honest, I felt the pressure all week to try to figure out what story do I tell? Who do I zoom in on? Right? I I felt the pressure to talk about one person instead of the us. And every time I started writing, I would delete it because it felt complete. And every time I started writing out um, uh, just a a brief outline, I would just delete it again and and start all over. Because how do I just talk about Paul? How do I just talk about Apollos? How How do I do that? It's like me talking about my life without talking about Ryan. It's like my kids trying to talk about their world without talking about their parents. It's like students trying to talk about their life at school without talking about their classmates and their professors. It's like you going to work and you don't mention ever about your coworkers or your clients or your supervisor. How are you supposed to talk about your neighborhood if you don't talk about your neighbors? So if that's true, if that's true, right? How was I supposed to talk about Apollos without talking about his relationship with this amazing missional couple, Priscilla and Aquila? I just don't think I can. I don't think we're supposed to. See, because Apollos was young, gifted, and African. And he was new on the scene and blew everybody away. He was educated. He was passionate. He knew about Jesus. He walked into this synagogue that he has never been to ever before and started preaching. I mean, who does that? He was bold. He was an evangelist by heart, and he was on mission to go to the places that God was calling him to go, to spread the good news. He was eager. He was ready. And he was willing to follow Jesus wherever God called him. And although he had all of that, although he was very smart and intellectual, he was missing something. He was accurate. Like I said before, all the things he was saying was true and right, but... but he wasn't adequate. Something was missing. The fullness of the gospel was missing. And Priscilla and Aquila, I could just imagine them sitting in the synagogue like, okay, I see you. I think they sat there and heard the fire that Apollos was spitting and was just like, oh yeah, 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 he a part of the family. 
You know why? Because they also were a part of the family. They were on mission in Ephesus. They too were in the synagogue trying to follow up on the work that Paul has started. They too were passionate about the kingdom of God. They labored alongside Paul. They hustled. They worked day jobs and was planting a church at the same time. Some of y'all know what that's like. And yes, maybe they weren't as educated. Maybe they didn't have all of the charisma and the fervor that Apollos had. But they had something to offer. They had something that was missing that Apollos needed. They knew the ways of God. They had an authentic life lived on mission for God. They knew the ways um, of God through trial and fire and persecution and all the good things that happened in between. They knew about the Holy Spirit and what God was doing in that time. They heard Paul. They saw it in Corinth. They've seen God move. They knew the ways of God, and they knew the ways that, that those things that you can never learn in school. They knew all of that. So they saw him, like Felicia. They saw him, and they invited him in to their family, into their homes, into their lives, and they mentored him, and they taught him, and they discipled him. And Apollos was humble. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know if maybe he was actually just smart enough to understand the beauty of community. Maybe that's it. Or maybe he knew that it would take literally a village of people to raise him up, to grow him. I don't know what he thought. But he was open to receive the gift of mentorship. He was quiet long enough to hear the truth come out of Priscilla and Aquila's mouth. And Apollos became a better missionary because of it. He became a, a better missionary because of Aquila and Priscilla. And, and Priscilla and Aquila, they became better mentors because of Apollos. That's the connection. They needed each other to continue the work that God had called them to do. A, Priscilla and Aquila were supposed to teach, supposed to mentor, supposed to give what they had. And, and you can't give something if nobody's willing to receive it. You needed the Apollos. They were willing and open to receive whatever God was calling them to do. Our stories are connected. Our stories cannot be fully told without the stories of others. The story of God is communal. It is about us. And the reality is you are mentioned on that one, in that one paragraph, on that one page, in that one chapter of the story of God. But all of us, all of our stories, all of our names, all of our work together create this epic novel that tells of the work of God to the world. Our lives tell a story. Our lives tell a story of God's work in the world. Can you see it? Can you see God's hand in the faces and the friends around you? I, I can, I mean, I can look out here right now and I see Apollos's. And I'm asking you, would you look at your life? Where do you need a Priscilla and Aquila to come and grow you and shape you and teach you and mentor you? And I look out here too, and I know y'all Priscilla's and Aquila's, Aquila's, I see y'all. Can you guys look around though? Can you guys see what God is doing? Can you see the masterpiece that God is creating in our community right now? 
and the part that you, you have to play in that, we need your help. Help us, mentor us, teach us Priscilla's and Aquila's. And maybe you feel distant from that truth, right? Like I'm talking about Priscilla and Aquila, and you're like, what are you talking about? Well, look at your microchurch. Look at your community. Look at your workplace. Look at your neighborhood. Look at your group that you go to to hang out with every night at the, every other night at, um, I don't know, where you do that thing at. <laughs> where are the Apollos? Who are open? Who are the Priscilla's and Aquila's around you? Is it you? I mean, I feel like me and Ryan, ever since we got married, um, are always looking for the Apollos' in our lives. And during this season in particular, we have the honor to mentor three amazing women leaders that come to our house every week, every Wednesday. And they come and we talk about life's drama, we celebrate birthdays, and yes, of course, we watch This Is Us. But me and Ryan, we see them. We see you, Rosalinda. We see you, Leanne. We see you, Veronica. And we see the thing that God is doing in you right now. And we have hope for the thing that he will do in the future. So we walk with them. We stand with them. We encourage them. And I think the same goes for my house church. Like me and Ryan, we, we dream for everyone that comes into our house church on Sunday night. Because we know that the Lord will extend his work beyond our living room and beyond Tampa and beyond to, to where we could have never thought. And when the time is right, we want to encourage those apologists in our community right, like what Fallon was saying. We want to encourage them. We want to be around them. We want to rally them. I don't know if I could write a letter, but if a letter would help, I'll write you one. But wherever God is calling you, if he is calling you out of Ephesus into Achaia, we want to celebrate you. You know, and I could talk about being a Priscilla all day, but I'm also an Apollos. Because there's still more for me to know. There's always more that I need to understand and learn about myself and what God is doing in my life. And I want to grow but you can't teach if you don't, if you've never been taught. I can't mentor if I haven't been mentored. If I don't, if I don't know something, how am I supposed to teach it to someone else? I can't share what I don't know. And so in this recent season, actually this month, um, I joined a mentorship group that is led by a black woman leader that pastors a multi-ethnic church. And she sought me out. She invited me because I think she saw what I was doing. I think she saw what I was doing for this community and for the city, and she looked at me and was like, she's still got some more to learn. There's still some things missing. And so I'm grateful for that. Hear me say our stories cannot be fully told without the stories of others. We need each other. Can you see what God is doing in the midst of it all? Can you see him in the lives and in the faces around you? Can you see God's story being written right in front of your eyes? I think Paul could. I mean, literally, Paul saw the glory of the Lord on the road to Damascus. I mean, he saw the Lord. And that, that encounter changed his life, changed his identity, changed everything for him. 
In Acts 16, actually, the passage that I, I preached the last time, I think I was here, was um, he, Paul got a vision about um, a man in Macedonia and Jesus telling him, go and find him. And that vision, that word from the Lord, that changed Paul's missional journey from where he thought he was supposed to go. And now we see another vision. Paul has another vision and, and Jesus this time is calling him to stay. To not be afraid because I'm going to be here. Don't worry. I mean, Jesus was asking him to stay in a place that was hostile and, and abusive, a place that was hard and brutal. But instead of complaining, like I would, regular old missionary Keisha, I would be like, are you sure? Did I hear right? Let me fast and pray. Actually, let's come together, community of people. Let's, should I really be here? And then if I did still hear it, I would be like, oh, man, I can't believe that this is where I need to stay for how long? Did you say how long? Like a month? Like 40 days, 45 days? Instead of complaining, this is what we see in the passage. Instead of complaining, Paul makes a covenant. And, and we get that because in, in verse 18, it says that Paul cut his hair before he sailed off because he had made this vow. The Lord asked him to stay in a tough situation. And Paul, Paul responded by making a vow. Because when Jesus calls you to stay, you don't simply stay. You, you make a covenant to stay. It's something deep when you say yes to Jesus that happens. He said, yes, our yeses matter. Paul's yes was significant. It was important. It was crucial because God was doing a great work in Corinth. Paul's yes mattered. And it wasn't just about Paul. It was about everybody else around him. His yes impacted everybody else in that city. Paul's commitment to, to Corinth um, helped, you know, because he had to make that commitment, he, he planted himself. He built a community. He locked arms with the people around him. He made family with the people that he knew. He mentored the young people. He taught some. He discipled Priscilla and Aquila, I'm pretty sure, and a bunch of other leaders. He was there for all the birthdays. He was there for all the weddings. He mourned at all the funerals. And I'm pretty sure he uh, probably did some baby dedications because I would have had him pray over my baby. <laughs> that all happened. But in turn, Paul, he, he also received all of these people's story. Their lives were also intertwined with his. His friends encouraged him and he encouraged them. They grew, he grew. They loved, he loved. And their lives would never be the same. Their lives were going to be intertwined and that community was going to be better and richer and stronger because Paul stayed. He said yes. Paul said yes to stay when Jesus told him to. But honestly, you can't say yes to Jesus if you're not listening to what he has to say. You can't hear if you're not listening for anything. And so the question I feel after all of this, after telling all of these people's stories, are you listening to Jesus? And will you say yes? If you are listening and he is telling you something, will you say yes? 
Because your yes matters to you. Yes, it does. But it also matters to everyone else. And to the ways that he is interweaving our lives, your yes matters to the person that is next to you. It matters to the story of God because our stories are intertwined. Our lives, our yeses are being woven together by Jesus for the sake of the world. We have a communal story, and this communal story shows the world of God's glory and his majesty and his justice and his handiwork. Like all of that, all of us, we show the world that together. I'll invite up the worship team. I want to invite you, before we come to communion and all that stuff, I want you to listen. I want you to hear, what is God calling you to say yes to today? Because Apollo said yes when Priscilla and Quilla came up to him. And Aquila and Priscilla saw that, and they said, yes, we're going to go mentor that person. And Paul was like, yes, Lord, you want me to stay in this crazy place? That's fine. I will do that. What is he calling you to say yes to right now? And I will be the first one to admit that I'm not always so eager to say yes. And I think there's a lot of reasons, but one of them that I felt like the Lord brought to my mind was that we live in a world that always invites me in particular to just say no. Just say no. I mean, just say no to drugs if you're around in the 80s. That was a big thing. 80s and 90s. Just say no. Just say no to certain people, to certain things, to just say no to, to eating that food or, you know, that certain diet because, you know, your body, your weight. Just say no. Just say no. I was told to just say no because it was safer. It was better. It was more comfortable. I was always told to say no. And even when I knew it was yes, I felt like I had to say no first just to make sure, just to have like some trials and tribulations to rustle out what God is doing. But there's another way. There's another invitation that is in the opposite direction of the just say no. And that invitation is a just say yes. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to the places that he's calling you to. Say yes to the people around you. What is Jesus calling you to say yes to? Right now. Not like what he wants you to do in the future. Right now. Right now. What is he calling you to say yes to? Is he calling you to stay in a situation that seems really hard at work and you want to quit? Is he calling you to stay? Though, is he calling you to plant yourself there? Is he calling you to, to foster because you're tired and you really don't want to do this anymore? But is he calling you to do that? Do you hear him saying, say yes to that unnamed baby right now? Say yes to him. Is he calling you to just learn more? You realize that you have some deficiencies and you're going to go look for that mentor. Is he calling you to say yes? Or maybe we have some Priscilla's and Aquila's in the room that are now starting to feel alive in the reality that I'm supposed to teach, I'm supposed to mentor. If he's telling you that, say yes today. Maybe he's calling you to love, but you're hurt. Maybe he's calling you to forgive because it was really bad. Maybe he's calling you to reconcile a broken relationship. I don't know what he's calling you to do. But I know that he's speaking. 
I mean, the song we sang, the last one is So I Will, a billion times. The rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the rocks can hear the Lord, we can too. If nature responds to the Lord, we can too. If the earth responds to the Lord, we can too. If death responds to the Lord, we can too. So what is he calling you to say yes to? I'm not asking you to just listen for the Lord. I'm asking you to respond to him. Because he is going to speak. And maybe not right now in these five seconds that I'm going to give you, more than five seconds. But he does have something for you. He wants you to say yes to something. That thing that you've been not sure if you should do it, I'm saying listen to him and say yes. And maybe some of you have something like that, that you came in here trying to figure out, God, what should I do? Say yes. And maybe some of us, we don't know. We didn't come in here with something. And I'm just saying just open your eyes again. Open your ears again. Open your heart again. Because he's speaking. He has something to say to you. Will you say yes? So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes, bow your head, get in whatever posture you want to, to just listen for a couple of minutes. Before we come up to communion, I want us to engage the Lord in that way. I want to invite you to engage the Lord in saying yes. Lord, I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to admit that sometimes I say no. Actually, a lot of times I say no because I'm scared, because I'm unsure, because I didn't spend enough time listening to what you were actually saying, because I was lazy, because I was busy. There's many reasons, Jesus. But today, me and this community, we come back at your feet, God. We ask, God, would you speak to us? What are you asking of us, this community of people, these community of leaders intertwined right now in space and time? a part of your story, what are you calling us to do? What are you asking us to do? What are you inviting us to say yes to, Lord? Would you speak? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill this room? Would you fill us to overflow? And will we sense you? Will we know you? Would it be clear? We make room for you. And we will wait on you to speak. We are not in a hurry, God. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. This family is listening. Speak, Lord. We need to hear a word from you. Just take a couple of moments and ask, Lord, what are you asking me to say yes to? Let us say yes. If not for, for you, then for the others that come behind you. 